Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. The first coaches show of the year is tonight. Uh, Coach Witt, the Kyle Whittingham Coaches Show, will come your way right after we say goodnight at 6 o'clock, so stay tuned for that. Donovan Mitchell went on NBA radio yesterday and was asked about uh, the situation here in Utah. Nothing all that new. There's not a lot of NBA stuff going on right now. James Harden was fined $100,000 by the NBA for his comments concerning Daryl Morey. Uh, Eric Walden's going to stop by. Maybe we'll kind of kick the tires with Eric. But let's talk more football now. You know him. You love him. Weekly hit with our guy. Uh, former Ute Pittsburgh Steeler 2, Stevenson Sylvester, on a Taco Tuesday afternoon. Is it a Taco Tuesday yet, Sly? What's going on, buddy? It's always Taco Tuesdays. It's just depending on what type of taco you're going to make. But <laughs> happy Taco Tuesday, Spence. All right, man. I appreciate your time. So um, let's uh, let let's start right here, Sly. Ultimately, there really is one storyline that everybody wants to talk about, and that's the health of Cam, as we know. Uh, week one is right around the corner. Week zero this week. We actually have college football games this year. I'll just operate off of what Coach Witt says, and that is if the season started today, it would be Bryson, Bryson Barnes under center. If that is the case, Sly, what does that look like offensively for Utah week one? For me, it's a, it's a potent rushing attack. You know, there's, you can get hit with so many different um, angles with rushing as far as what you can do in the in the running game, you know, from – Fly sweeps when you got guys like Mikey Matthews, you know, um, Coach Witt has raved about him um, this offseason and how well he's done and, and how Covey-esque he is. So we remember we used to run those fly sweeps with uh, Covey. We could do that with Mikey Matthews or even Brad Keithy. Brad Keithy does those fly sweeps as well. Um, so I think you're going to get a heavy dose of quick game. You know, I don't think we're going to do anything long. I don't know if Bryson has the arm to do, like, long post plays or, 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 or big fades. Again, we've never seen Bryson Barnes in that starting role to be able to, to say, like, I've had over a week of preparation knowing that I'm going to be the guy coming to this game. So with knowing that, we may see a different Bryson Barnes than what we've seen on tape. But for me right now, if I was game planning with Andy Ludwig with what the, I know, I'm getting a heavy dose of Jaquin and Jackson, heavy dose of Jalen Glover, you know, one-two combo there and, and Makai Bernard coming in and really flexing out this offense and uh, really utilizing the strength of this, this offense, which is that offensive line. So I just think we're going to get a heavy dose of running game in this, in this first game against Florida, really estra- establishing our physicality against the SEC opponent. So I think you'll be good with a topic that we discussed earlier in the week. Um, I, I want to be clear. I, I don't know what Cameron's status is. I'm very skeptical that we're going to see him week one, but that's just me, and that's not based off of a – uh, a conversation or inside information. That's just 
my vantage point. Uh, but let's let's say, Sly, that Cam is able to come back sooner rather than later. He stays healthy. He puts up the type of numbers that we're accustomed to seeing him put up, and he leads Utah to their third straight Pac-12 championship. Does that catapult him to the top of the list of the greatest Utah quarterbacks of all time? Well, if you look at his accomplishments, his winning records, his his, his, his touchdowns, I, I believe he was only like, uh, I was talking to Scott Mitchell about this, I think he was only like 12 or, or 15 touchdowns away from Scott Mitchell's record. So, like, Scott Mitchell's like, yeah, I hope he doesn't get it. But, like, I mean, Cam Rising's put together a great body of work over the years to be the top-tier uh, quarterback. And and if you look at all the other quarterbacks, the Alex Smiths, the the Scott Mitchells, the Brian Johnsons, the Travis Wilsons, the Tyler Huntleys. Uh, Cam Rising has definitely have numbers to, to compare with those, and now he actually has hardware to actually put him up above all of those guys. Um, all of those guys don't have the hardware that, that Cam Rising has, although Cam Rising needs a better bowl record. Um, uh, these guys have great bowl records, so that's something that Cam Rising will have to do. But um, I honestly think he'll definitely be in the conversation of one of the greatest quarterbacks that's ever played at the University of Utah, for sure. I was actually going to ask you if he needs a you know a primetime bowl win to solidify that. I, I mean, for me, because you compare him to Alex, Alex was 21-1 and as a starter. Uh, I believe it, it was the Fiesta Bowl win. I think it was a Liberty Bowl win, if I remember correctly. But, you know, you could make an argument that just advancing to two Rose Bowls against Ohio State and Penn State even though you didn't get the win, is uh, as impressive maybe as winning those other bowl games that aren't on the same level as the Rose Bowl. But to solidify that spot, do you think he needs a marquee bowl win? I definitely do. I mean, that's a conversation about the greatest of all time in, in all these professional sports. Is what's, his, what's his record in the championship round? You know, like how many Super Bowls do he have? How many NBA finals does he have? That's how they're comparing him. So if we're doing the same thing here at Utah, I think Cam Rising definitely needs one of those. Body of work, um, you know, what he's, what elite athletes he's had at his disposal over the years has definitely been a benefit for him. But, you know, he's got that it factor that you can't deny. Now, Alex Smith, um, you know, his course to be able to get to those primetime games was a lot harder than Cam Rising's, right? Win your division and you're in, or win your conference and you're in the Pac-12 championship, right? Alex Smith literally went undefeated or 11 and one in his two years at Utah, and you know, and he ended up getting a festival as far as like Cam Rising. All I got to do is win the Pac-12, and I'm in the Rose Bowl. So it's it's different, you know. And you know, as if we're really breaking down. You know who's the greatest quarterback. We're gonna definitely get to the fine-tuned details of, of you know competition where we're at, you know roster, this and that. So uh, I think there's a lot that goes into those conversations. But grand scheme, high level, Cam Rising is definitely up there, top three in my book um, of greatest quarterbacks in Utah football history. So the last wide receiver we were talking about this yesterday with Sean O'Connell, the last wide receiver. To go for a thousand yards plus was Drez Sly, Drez Anderson, and that's basically a decade ago, eleven years ago or so. Is there a thousand yard wide receiver on the roster this year? I mean, I don't know. Um, I think Devon Vele possesses, you know, the the attributes to be able to accomplish that. Uh, but is this a style of offense that's going to get him the ball enough to, uh, you know, execute on that to be a thousand yard re- receiver? You know, I don't, I don't, I don't know if this is the type of offense that are going to give these receivers 
That now Andy Ludwig, he's extremely versatile. He's been around the block for a, uh, a long time. He can change his offensive mentality depending on what he has at his disposal. Say he's got a lot of injuries to the running back, and we have to throw the ball. Then we'll have to change the offensive game plan to to be able to get these receivers the the, uh, the ball. And so um, I do. I think Micah Pittman. Uh, I, I think we got a lot of transfers in this off season to be able to to handle it. I think those guys are extremely talented. Now, whether they do it, that all depends on you know who's delivering the football to them, right? Who's delivering the football? Who's blocking? And um and how open they can be, right? Um. I, I think that if we get the ball, if we throw the ball 60 times a game, we're definitely going to get, you know, a 1,000-yard receiver. But if we only throw the ball 20, 30 times, you can't really expect a 1,000-yard receiver to come of that, especially when you have to spread the ball out the way you have to. So um, I think that it, it depends on the type of offense you have, but I definitely think that we have the weapons to be able to do that. I think getting Money Parks the ball, I don't think Money Parks is a 1,000-yard receiver, you know, in, in this style of offense, but... that's going to be extremely beneficial to your success. You, you referenced the running back room, and I, I find this pretty fascinating slide because, you know, there, there are a lot of people that do believe that Jaquindon could potentially evolve into a bell cow, but that's a crowded room with a lot of talent. How do you see that working out? Snap count, distribution, carries and such, just generally speaking, how do you, how do you think that's going to look this year? I think, I think that's going to be extremely tough to try to rotate so many because – the game of football, in so many ways, we've seen it with Tavion Thomas. We've seen it with a lot of these other uh, primetime running backs, Zach Moss, Devontae Booker. Um, it's about rhythm. So if I got a rhythm going, you know, I, I, there's not often times that I'm going to have that rhythm on the first play of the game, right? It's going to take me about four or five, you know, rushes to get that rhythm. And I finally got that rhythm, and then you take me out and rotate me out. That's not going to work. I think that you're going to get an RB1. And he's going to get the bulk of the carries. If there's if there's 40 carries in a game, the RB1 is going to get at least 25 of those carries. And so everybody else is going to have to fit into that. You got Chris Curry, you got uh, Makai Bernard, Jalen Glover, um, and Chris Curry before his injury was really hitting it hard. He had a great training camp. He was doing great in the Florida game, and then he uh, got injured in that second game of the year, and that was just really unfortunate. Um, so it's just bad timing with with, with that and. If he's healthy and, you know, um, he's doing great things, he could be a serious contributor on here. But one thing with this Coach Whittingham, he's going to take the guys who are willing to win. So if, if you're putting in that work and, and you're the backup guy, Coach Whittingham's going to make sure that you get the ball because yeah, he wants those W's. And I think the rest of the team wants the W's too. And, um, you know, this is what I tell a lot of people, man, you can't hide the work. If you've been putting in the work, you can't hide the work, and, and I think that uh, all these guys are primed and ready to be in that spotlight. Makai Bernard has the experience. Jalen Glover now has a year under his belt. I think he's ready to take that next step. So um, I think this is just a, a really talented football team, and we'll just have to see how it plays out. I, I, don't, I can't tell you who that's going to be, um, who get the majority, but I believe it's Jaquindon Jackson. How much do you think, Sly, uh, from your experience playing at this level, how much will we learn from week one that's actually real with the dynamics that we're discussing? Like, do you think that we're going to see what the running back distribution will be against Florida like all year? Or is that something that needs room to breathe and kind of evolve and figure itself out as the, as the season rolls along? Man, that is a great question. Um, 
you can and you can't take a lot away from the first game, right? There's a lot of first game escapes, first game jitters, lots of first game penalties that are going to happen. It, it just happens. You know, you've been playing against yourselves and there's no real penalty in practice, right? Yeah, okay, Coach Wick gets mad, but like, we're still good. It doesn't really affect the game. It doesn't really affect the wins and loss columns in practice. But during the games, if you mess that up, you, that's real more, that's, that's more impactful. So there's a lot of things you learn from that first game that can translate uh, um, in game two, game three that you won't see. So yes and no. Uh, I think there's going to be guys who shine in that first game, and then there's guys who's going to take a little time to warm up. So, um, I, But for me, if I was looking at it, I wouldn't take what the season was going to be from game one. That literally changes with your personnel. You know, if we do have injuries that happen, uh, game plan changes. How we do things changes. What we implement changes. And so I, I think that, you know, you can only take so much from that first game and, and how the season's going to be. Like two years ago when Charlie Brewer was the quarterback, who would have thought by that third game Cam Rising was going to be the guy all season to lead us to the Pac-12 championship and do the things that we did that year. So um, I, I think that it's all with due time. It's all with due time. It's a give and take on the first game. Some good points there. Let's expand on it. In your experience playing for Kyle, how much of a schematic game plan has to do with what the opponent brings to the table? Because, you know, Florida's different than Baylor. Baylor's different than SC. SC's different than Oregon. So, to your point, what we could see against Florida could be completely different uh, as it pertains to what we'll see against other teams based off of what that team brings to the table. So how do Kyle and Morgan and Andy go about their business of game planning when it's predicated upon the other team's strengths and weaknesses? Man, um, another good one. So when we prepared, first of all, first game of the year, um, you always do out-of-conference person, somebody that you know you don't know much about. But that takes immense level of study because there's so many different personnels that you don't have on film. You don't have their practice tape on film. You don't know exactly what they're doing. But these guys take a whole year of game tape that goes into that first one. And, and so this whole offseason, before training camp starts, that first five games has been scouted. The first five games, this is the professional ranks as well, the first five games have been scouted. They know exactly what's to come as far as the personnel that they like to do. They've done a deep dive into the offensive coordinator, offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators of the opponent, uh, roster dive so they know what they can expect. And, and it's all about, it's kind of like Coach Whittingham always talks about recruiting, right? You got to kind of project what this guy is going to do. You got to kind of do that when you're scouting out another team. If you don't have a lot of film on them, you got to project what the capabilities of, of such and such person is. If they got this guy on the roster, and you know, there's always message boards that they can look into. That's, that's the detailed research that goes into it. But, um, they got to project how Florida, how Baylor, how Weaver is going to do, um, utilize their strengths. And so you don't truly know till you get out there. That's why football is great. And I don't know what Arian Foster's talking about a script. Because I wish I would have known the script, because I would have been very pissed off about the Super Bowl that I lost. But um, I, I, you don't truly know, but you got a good guess, an educated guess, a swag, right, a, a, a scientific wild guess. And so um, I think that these guys have scouted; they know what to do, and uh, you just roll with the punches, and you can handle adversity from the different options that you're going to get. 
So to your point, you don't have film on practice, but you know Utah did play Florida a year ago. How much of that game, because Billy Napier, it's going to be his second year, so Utah will have film and an understanding of how Napier wants to coach. So how, how much can you study from a game a year ago that's applicable to the same opponent, yet it's a different season with a different cast of characters this, this year? Is there anything to ascertain or draw from the Florida game a year ago, Sly? I, I think so. You know, um, methodology, right? I think the methodology of what goes into how an opponent attacks you is something that you can take from a previous year. Yes, personnel may have changed, but your method of attack and how you want to do it. Now, last year was the first time we played Florida, so Florida really didn't have a lot of background on Utah. But um, they they took from, okay, we started slow in that game. What was the good points of that football game? And so I think that that's what you know Florida will try to game on. But if you look at it, they'll start to do um, a lot of, uh, guessing, right? It's a, it's a chess match, right? You're you're gonna guess that that uh, Florida is gonna guess that Utah thinks that Florida is gonna attack them like this, and you don't truly know. And so it's a it's a it's a real it's fun. I think that's what football is all about. Is you it's a lot of guesswork, but it's about how logical is your guesswork? How much work have you put in to uh, the anomalies, the things that that could happen and, and possibilities of the of the opposite. And so um, it, I think there's a lot you could take from from the game before and what an opposing team can can take from them, mostly from how they plan to attack. Do they plan to run, and run the football, right? Do they plan to take the Florida quarterback and run the football? He's not a big runner. How do we attack Utah in that case? We give the ball to ETN. We give the ball to this running attack, and we'll see if Utah can handle this SEC running attack. So a lot of ego that goes into that, too. Um, and hopefully Utah can use that uh, against them, use their ego against them. So based off your experience playing for Kyle, we're nine days out. What are practices like right now? How much Florida-specific stuff uh, is, is involved in training sessions now, nine days out? Where, what, 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 just take our listeners kind of behind the scenes, nine days before game one. What are the, what's the tone and tenor of practice currently, Sly? Well, uh, it's all Florida right now. Um, they're implementing, they're implementing the, the, the game plan, installation of what type of offense we're going to use, the, the multitude of plays we're going to use. That's being implemented right now, um, which is very different. You're going to have at least two weeks to, to get that going. And so that's, that's different than what the norm is. Normally you only have a week to be able to, but that's why I said that they scout and um, the GAs up there scout the opposing teams at least five weeks in advance so they can be able to ad- adjust properly. Um, but I think that, you know, Utah is in, 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 in straight Florida mode right now. They're also running through all the mechanics. Coach Witt is he's a heckler about, you know, making sure that everything goes according to plan. Um, if you watch him during the games, he's, he's very – adamant about his clock management i want those two seconds you give me those two seconds that's exactly what he's about in practice as well and so right now they're they're running through all of the warm-ups how do we go through warm-ups how do we do um the dress code what what is everybody's responsibilities where are you supposed to be at xyz before the time and then when we take the field so they're going through all of those mechanics this week and then next week is going to be straight game prep right so installation is in this week, 
but also making sure everybody knows where to go, where to be, follow the veterans, the veterans know what's up. And then next week is going to be uh, uh, an actual game week prep uh, where Monday uh, is filmed, Tuesday's Bloody Tuesday, where we uh, are in pads and, and you're doing the install that we implemented last week. And then um, Thursday we're refining, and if there's any last-minute changes, we do that then. And then um, and then uh, Friday is is uh, game day pretty much. You do your walkthroughs, special teams, and then Saturday is on. But um, since our game is on Thursday, all of that jumps up a few days. And so um, – I, I think that they start that on Sunday instead of uh, Monday. I'm glad you brought up the Thursday kick. I wanted to go there um, with my next question. Is there anything that listeners should know about that being different than a Saturday experience? I mean, it is the first game of the season. Maybe it's different if you got a Thursday night on a short turnaround or what have you. But from a player standpoint, is there anything that's unique about playing a, a game during the week juxtaposed to playing on Saturday when the games are normally played? Um, I think it matters at the time of year. Um, so uh, right now, this is a uh, the first game of the year. You've had all training camp. You've been all that. So there's literally, honestly, most football players are literally zoned out. They have absolutely no idea what day it is. They don't know anything. So there's no routine really built. Now, if that Thursday game is late in the season, like in 2008, we had that Thursday game against TCU and Oregon State, like that's different. But um, I think that uh, these guys are fine. They're they're in the zone right now. However, the coaches have aligned them. School's barely started, if it has started. Um, but these guys should be all good on on what their responsibilities are and um, shouldn't have no issue with uh, acclimating to a Thursday game. For the players, it's absolutely nothing. It's about the fans and how they have to work with their work schedule and being able to get there, get their kids out of school, and, and make sure they're there on time to enjoy the Thursday atmosphere. Um, but for the players, it's, it's business as usual. All right, Sly, before I set you loose, you know, you, I've, told you, I've said this to you before, you are uh, you know, one of the guys that played for one of the teams that changed expectations for fan bases around, the fan base around here, which is only positive. The fan base uh, and the expectations have changed over the course of the years, juxtaposed to what it was like back in the, you know, 80s, 90s, early 2000s. And, of course, it's continued to evolve, and we have a situation now where Utah does have a chance to make history with a third straight Pac-12 championship. It's going to be tough. I think Utah might have the hardest schedule of the four-slash-five contending teams, from my vantage point. What is a successful season? What does that look like for Utah football this year? Well, um, I think when you're judging what a season should look like, um, you have to look at, I think, four different factors, right? You have to look at your, your coaching staff's you know, experience level. You have to look at your players and roster experience level. You have to look at the level of talent that you have at each position. And then you have to look at um, – do you have a good mix of, of young and old, you know, con- contributors to make sure that my special teams is good, um, to make sure that, you know, offensive, defensively, I, I, I'm rotating right, I got good. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. 
Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu visit.